which I think is very underrated. Um, I actually think it's a decent movie. Whoa. Star Wars The Phantom Menace is not that bad. It's the hottest take I'll ever make on the show, but there it is. It's out there in the open. Can't take Subscribe it to the Off The Ball Breakfast podcast on the Off The Ball app now. Off The Ball Daily. Very welcome back to Off The Ball Sunday on News Talk. Alana Canan here with you until seven. Still loads to come. Maeve DeBerka will be talking with me in the next or the following half hour or so. We'll have Olympic Coffee Hour with Annalise Murphy and Caroline Hayes between five and six then. Plus all the reaction from St. Bridget's 4.1 over Castlehaven in the All-Ireland Senior Club football final as well as Glenn Kilmacud game which is ongoing here in front of us but I won't lie we can't see much of it. <laughs> First though, Nikki Daly, hockey star and e-scooter star as well here is is joining us. How are you going on Nikki? Good thanks, how are you? Good, plenty to talk about here and um, great to have you as well. We were, ch- we had, just before you came in there we had Katie Mullen playing in the break. It was great to hear from her and everything. She's looking forward to Paris now as well. Yeah, I actually, while I was sitting in the waiting room I saw it myself and um it's really exciting. The girls are, they're already out there. Um, and I think they kick off their first game on the 13th of January. So big, big tournament, you know, Olympic qualification. It's always tough, but exciting. And it's the one that, you know, you want to be at. Um, so I'm lucky enough, I'm going to get to go and support the girls over there. And yeah, take in a bit of it from the other side for once. Brilliant. Well, can't wait to hear all about that. We'll touch back on the hockey now in a second. But first, we'll go into the Electric Scooter Championship, which you just featured in. And you're heavily involved in fostering the next generation of women in motorsport as well. So for those who don't know, where does your love for motorsport come from, Nikki? Um, it's very much a family <laughs> passion. My dad was a motor racing driver here in Ireland for 20 years. And my uncle Derek made it all the way to Formula One. So I suppose it's just been in the blood from, you know, birth, essentially, and just developed a passion for it, like from a very young age. Never probably thought I'd get the opportunity to race in anything, certainly not on two wheels. If if I was going to be racing anything, I would have, you know, assumed it'd be cars. But um, yeah, racing electric scooters, which is definitely very different and new and exciting. And especially considering like a lot of people would know you from the hockey scene, winning the silver medal in 2018 and competing in Olympics and European championships. What led you then down the path of hockey instead of motorsport growing up? Um, I think like obviously my dad passed away when I was quite young and I think the motorsport route really wasn't an option then. Um, You know, it's a very difficult sport to navigate. It's very expensive um, and so it just didn't, wasn't really an opportunity or, yeah, an option, I suppose, for me. And I was just very sporty as a kid. So I kind of would play anything, soccer, Gaelic. Um, and then I got introduced to hockey when I was in secondary school. And, you know, people ask me, like, why, why did you pick that one over Gaelic or whatever else I was playing? And honestly, it was I, I, I found hockey the most challenging. Like, yeah. I, And that's why I had to stay with it. I was like, I can't let this beat me I was like I need to figure this game out and it was just always a constant challenge to to kind of get good at it and continue to develop and learn the different skills and understand the game and all the tactics so yeah it kind of just captured me and it was like a yeah like 15 years trying to figure it out but (laughs) (laughs) you did well enough anyways just just about anyways Uh, I know much better than that but you were saying you were playing Gaelic football too you played for Dublin so that was at a high level as well you know you're multi-talented across a variety of sports. Yeah, I mean, it was a very short <laughs> stint that I did uh, on the Dublin team. But again, you know, 
great. It was sort of like the first time I was a part of um, sort of a high performance team or like a, a team at that kind of level. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I loved Gaelic. It was really my number one sport when I was growing up. Um, and I suppose I probably saw myself going down that route until I got brought into the Irish team and the word Olympics was mentioned and I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> I might try that route and, and give it a go. But uh, yeah, I love Gaelic and um, maybe one day I'll go back to it. <laughs> Jeez, you heard it here first, Nikki Daly, <laughs> back to the Gaelic. Uh, it's amazing, though, how many Irish sportswomen like we're here for Nulag Naman, day on off the ball here today, compete across such a number of sports. You know, Lindsay, Lindsay Pete, mm-hmm. Sarah yourself, like, what do you think that's to do with? Because there is such a variety of talents across so many sports as well. I think it's just that women are just so talented in general. Um, now, I think, like, probably a lot of um, people growing up, well, certainly in my instance, uh, I was exposed to quite a lot of sport, thank God. Um, and I just wanted to play anything I could. Um, I had an older brother and I suppose I kind of followed everything he did and, you know, whatever he'd try and play, I'd try and play. But I think it's great that we've so many, um, you know, sportswomen who are multifaceted and they can kind of move from sport to sport. Probably there's a few sports that do translate a bit easier, like, you know, Gaelic football, um, maybe rugby, soccer. There's, you know, there's ball (laughs) Um, that kind of is a lot easier to maybe to, to transition over to. Um, so it's great that we can have women, you know, crossing over and playing at such a high level. And you're doing that, obviously, as well. You're in the e-scooter championship, which brings you all around the world racing. How did you get into that or was it always something you had your eye on? Never something I had my eye I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't a thing until last year when they, they basically just launched a whole brand new sport. And I got into it through kind of friends of mine, um, Naomi and Christopher, who would work a lot in motorsport around the PR and communication side. Mm. And they were working with the e-scooter championship at the time in that capacity. And it was around the time when they were trying to uh, recruit athletes and they wanted they wanted athletes, male and female, from a range of backgrounds, sport and backgrounds. Um, so, yeah, they kind of put me forward for it and never looked back. And then e-scooter as an area, just for people who don't know, can you kind of expand on what it involves and tell us more about it as well? Yeah, so it's it's electric scooter racing. Um, for anyone who's obviously everyone's familiar with what a scooter is and, and the uh, the electric scooters that are found around cities, it's it's not them, but they are like custom made bespoke actually, like pieces of equipment that are made specifically for racing. So, you know, they have... Uh, racing style tires they come in three different compounds so it's very much like a professional motorsport like not Formula 1 but in a way they have specific tires for the the scooter there's three compounds you know so it's very much a racing performance um, scooter and yeah they race them in different cities all over the world with I suppose a view to promote micro mobility and um, and more efficient and more um, sustainable, you know, transport system within the city centres. So it's been great. I've loved it ever, ever since I took it up and hopefully we'll get to do a bit more this year. And they have top speeds of 140 kilometres an hour? Yeah, right? top speed is like 140 kilometres an hour. We don't reach those speeds. Um, we'd probably get like 80, 90 kilometres, which is still yeah <laughs> fairly quick when you're standing up on two wheels. <laughs> so And then yeah. how do you find that, the translation obviously from hockey 
to this sport now? The pressure, I'm sure, is just as high. Um, I think because it's so different and because I've no real racing experience myself, I haven't really put any pressure. Like, I don't have huge expectations, only just that I want to do the best I can and and get better at it. Um, But thankfully, I've kind of done well enough in it that, you know, I haven't let the daily name down or anything (laughs) in the racing terms. But... um, yeah, like there's there's not a lot of skills that transfer over from hockey other than the balance and, and sort of the, the agility, the, the, the lower leg strength is, is, is a big help. Um, but there was, there's a lot to learn, like it's a completely different sport. And um, yeah, there's there's so much to, to kind of learn about just how to, to ride a scooter, all the different terminology, you know, everything. So it's been it's been a steep learning curve. I was just about to ask, how do you set about training for starting that? So just like, to be honest, a lot of the hockey training that we would have done, particularly like phys- from a physical standpoint, yeah. it's very similar, like lower legs, um, core is really important. Um, and just general kind of cardiovascular fitness is, is important because people, you might not think it's actually quite intense when you're on the scooter and your legs, it's like being in a wall sit for, you know, 10 minutes, basically. <laughs> um, I don't envy it. <laughs> so just, yeah, general fitness around, the, you know, those kind of areas is, is one way. We don't get a huge amount of time on the scooters. So what I have done in the past is uh, get on like a motocross bike or a miniature mini bike, basically, and and, and try to learn, you know, how to lean and weight transfer and understand how the forces cornering, braking, accelerating and all those sort of things, trying to put them all together and do it um, a little bit quicker than than I had been doing it. So it's going well so far, though. Yeah, it is. It's going great. Like, I mean. You know, I don't come from a huge amount of experience in it, but I've, yeah, I think I've probably done well enough for, for the experience I do have. So more than that, anyways, it's probably like you touched on as well, a nice way to honour your dad as well, because when he was in motorsport and now you're in a form of motorsport as well, it must be nice. Yeah, it's cool. Like, I mean, last year I raced for a team, Carlin, who are better known for being a motorsport team in cars. They would, you know, launch the careers of Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo and, Sebastian Vettel and stuff so um, Connor my cousin actually raced for them in GP3 when he was coming up through the ranks and raced in IndyCar for them as well and you know Trevor Carlin and Derek would have known each other when Derek was starting his career like whatever 40 years ago Um, so it was nice to be able to continue that sort of family relationship with Carlin who are a very well established motorsport team Um, and and yeah just to be able to be part of something that I've been so passionate about and especially since it's it's my family like this this is what they did and uh just get to have a taste and and be part of it's been really cool you were talking about carolyn there you're moving team now what will that mean for you and how does it kind of change things yeah i'm with a team called xprs um so express racing and uh two new teammates as well which is great it's it's nice to be able to work with different people it's very different you know like coming from a sport where this is kind of your team and you see the same people Moving from, you know, who, where I was at Carlin to XBRS now is different team, different owner, different way of doing things, different teammates. But it's been it's been great and it's good to to work with new people and it's just continuous learning. And yeah, hopefully we can do some good stuff this year. Do you ever get nervous? Oh, all the time. Yeah, especially like on the start ramp. So we start on a ramp and you you take off uh, down the ramp, but. You know, you've got five scooters kind of going into one corner. Five into one doesn't always go. So it's a bit nerve wracking. Yeah, 
Um, but kind of once you get off the start line, it's like anything, you know, you get nervous before a match, but once the, the whistle goes, it's like, relax. The adrenaline must be something else as well, I'd say. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a very different experience from from like hockey, say. Uh, it's like everything's happening so much quicker and you have to react so much quicker. And and there's also like, when you make a mistake, it, the the consequences are a lot bigger than if you make a mistake in a, in a hockey match, you can recover and somebody else has your back or, you know, they'll pick up the pieces. But in in racing, you know, like you can you can get really disheartened really really quickly because you could be leading the race and you make one tiny mistake and now you're third and it's like oh god why did I make that mistake how do you find that solo aspect of them because I see you don't have the teammates to lean on like. yeah that's that's what I'm saying it's, yeah. it, it's a lot different and, and so you have to like you have to kind of be on a little bit more and I'm still learning a lot so yeah. I do make a lot of mistakes um, so it gets to me quite a bit um, but yeah, like it, it's totally different. But having teammates then is really helpful because I come in and straight away I'm like, right, somebody just tell me what I'm doing wrong and how can I, how can I do it better? Um, but you don't get that in the moment. You you have to try and figure it out yourself um, while you're, yeah, while it's ongoing. Coming up on half an hour gone, Glenn are leaving seven points to Kilmacoke Crooks three in the All-Ireland Club Championship semi-final. So it'll be interesting to see how that one's going. The weather seems to continue to be just as bad as it was when we were starting out. So we'll keep you updated on that one. But uh, to go back to you, Nikki, we were chatting before we came on, on air there about Formula Female. What's that project and how does it, what does it involve? I started for Formula Female in 2018, um, really with the view of, I suppose, opening up and, and making the sport uh, visible for, for women in the sport, uh, in motorsport. Like, really, it was, it was through my studying, time studying in, in Cranfield, doing motorsport engineering, and then working in an IndyCar team as an engineer. And just, I suppose, realising how few women are actually on the track and off the track. Um, so I wanted to kind of use my experience because I, I thoroughly enjoyed working in the sport, getting to travel all over the country in America and you know, you say my office is the pit lane and there's like cars going 200 miles an hour past me. But it was just really cool and it was a really exciting place to work and it was challenging and you never knew what was going to happen, something different happen all the time. Um, and I felt that, oh, there's an opportunity here to kind of showcase the sport and, and let more women know that there's careers out there. It's not just about the driver, it's about the engineers, the mechanics, you know, the the PR people the marketing team. There's so many people that, that make a motorsport team successful. So I I set up Formula Female and, and since then it's been an evolving project. So I had the Go Girls karting initiative in 2019 and then just last year um, I partnered with an esports company in, in America to, cre- to uh, create Sim for STEM. So using Sim racing and, and the virtual world uh, to be able to actually again, make the sport more accessible, more affordable and, and be able to get more women involved in sim racing and also in the STEM side with engineering and, and all that. And it was actually upcoming driver Alex Kobe who was telling me um, you kind of go into schools and reach out that way. It's a good way to get them when they're kind of looking of what to do, really. Yeah, um, so we just finished a programme actually before Christmas with the Dublin City Sports um, Partnership and we did a five-week course with five schools in their catchment area and we had 200 girls all around that kind of 14 to 16 age group. So trying to get them where, 
you know, you can maybe still inspire them and, and give them opportunities to, to explore different avenues and, and see school in a bit of a different light as well. So, you know, we, we did a five week course every week. We come in, teach them an aspect of racing and, and show how science and engineering and maths can be applied to it and, and then put them in the simulator so they could take the theory and translate that into, into the, the sim. But it was all about them themselves. So giving them the opportunity to, to understand how they can better their own performance and how maths is actually useful because every time they get in the sim, they want to get better, they want to get faster. So if they can understand it from you know a theoretical point of view and they can understand why maths is important and engineering and those kind of things, it makes so much more sense to them because they're getting something out of it when they get back into the sim. Um, I'm sure so, the teachers love to see you coming there. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, they, they, we had incredible feedback from it and um, you know it's, it's definitely something we're going to continue with Dublin City Sports Partnership and we ran a couple of programs in the States as well last year and got a busy kind of few things in the pipeline for this year. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a great way to kind of just open up a sport and, and, and let young girls see that this is an avenue for them and, and they can uh, compete and they can be really, really competitive at it as well. So. Um, why is it, do you think, that there aren't more women involved in motorsport? Well, I think it's like traditionally, historically, it's been very male dominated and, and, and pretty much, you know, targeted towards men. Um, and that is changing. Like, you know, there's a huge amount of work going on uh, globally with, with different initiatives. Um, you know, they just launched the More Than Equal campaign where David Coulthard and, and, and his team are looking to find the first female F1 driver. Um, and you know, they're going to support, they're looking for, for young talent and, and, and give them all the support that they need. And that's another, you know, ish, that's another reason why we haven't had any females make it to the top is just that lack of support, mm. um, the lack of funding, the investment, and then just the stereotypes as well, you know, like, oh, you know, women can't drive or this isn't for women, they're not strong enough, they're not this. All of that has been proved to be totally <laughs> not true. And um, and so now the efforts are to kind of change the narrative and change uh, the perceptions and and uh, it's going to take time. But um, it's good to see that that the sport at the highest level is behind it and, and there's different initiatives to to encourage more girls to compete and, and, and show that there's support there for them in so many different ways that that they can actually continue to make it to the top. It's probably one of those things as well when there's not like a standout superstar it's you can't get that next generation to just see that they can do it as well. Like. Yeah, and it's it's hard because like how do you get the superstar without building the base of the pyramid yeah. and building the talent pool? Um, and it's like you know you got to build a talent pool for somebody to get there. But then you can say, well, if you get one there, you inspire and you you build a ta- talent pool off that. You know, which so both need each other if yeah. you know what I mean. Um, and I think definitely the first one is going to be so important because it's going to be it's going to just change the game completely um, and, I, and I hope that the more than equal campaign and um, everything that they're doing to find that first one will you know generate a, a massive um, pool of, of more girls getting involved in it but you know it's I suppose it's what what I'm doing then with Sim for STEM and other initiatives trying to work on the base of the pyramid and trying to increase the the, the talent pool of, of of all girls in in any aspects of being in motorsport and just grow those numbers so that you know, the the more we numbers we have, the more likely it is for them to to make it to the top. So. A prime example of that can't see can't be was you guys in the World Cup two thousand eighteen silver yeah. medal. Was that the highlight of your hockey career, or what was it for you? 
I think it, definitely a highlight for sure. Um, but I think I was only actually having this conversation with Hannah today. Um, we were coming down from a wedding um, was actually qualifying for the Olympics. Like, you know, it's so funny. People ask you like, oh, how did you get on the Olympics? Like, did you win a medal? And, and it's like, no, but it was it was qualifying. It was getting there. It's like, it's so hard just to get there. Yeah, that that's that was the massive achievement because it taken us well, taken me the time I'd spent on the team twelve years to try and qualify. So, I think the the qualifying for for Tokyo was probably the real highlight because it was like the ultimate goal was to get uh, to the Olympics and um, yeah, and and finally we did. And looking back now, you retired two years ago now. Uh, what fell into that decision? And looking back, were you like, yeah, that was the right time? <laughs> Um, I think it was just, yeah, it was time like I I was getting old and um, I had a, achieved everything I wanted to achieve with it, you know, like the, and more like the Olympics was the goal. But we were lucky to win a silver medal in the World Cup, which I never saw coming or, or thought that that would be achievable. Um, and yeah, I'd given sort of all my time. I, I, I didn't really have much more to give. And I think it was just the right time then to to kind of step away and. Yeah, I was happy enough to, to go. <laughs> I was ready. <laughs> you were talking about there how you're going over to see them. They're playing their Olympic qualification tournament in Valencia next weekend. Yeah. That'll be exciting. How are you? Do you you're obviously keeping tabs on it. <clears throat> yeah, um, myself and Shirley are actually going out. So we'll be out there supporting the girls and it'll be great to yeah be on the other side for once. And I know that, you know, it's always hard when you have to... Um, sort of rebuild a team after so many people stepped away. But I know the girls have done a great job in, in that transition period over the last two years and they've had new players come in and, and get up to speed as quickly as possible. So I know that that group and, and, and everyone in it will have worked extremely hard to get to this point and I know they'll be like so excited to, to get going and, um, you know, the Irish supporters will be there in force and we'll yeah give them all the encouragement and support that we can. It's that kind of thing as well. You're trying to harness the goodwill and everybody, the attention that was when the 2018 and then the Olympics just gone as well. So it's trying to harness all that and keep it going there as well. Yeah, exactly. I think they've got a massive opportunity here to kind of, you know, do back to back Olympics, which would be amazing, especially for the sport, considering the last Olympics was the first time the Irish hockey team had ever qualified, the women's team. Um, So keeping that momentum going will be really important for for the girls um, and for the sport in general. And, and uh, yeah, I think they can definitely do it. So You won't have the itch now when you're watching them? Oh, God, no. My bones would be creaking and <laughs> muscles would be tightening just watching them sprint. I'd be like, oh, thank God I'm not out there. <laughs> would you ever see yourself going into coaching or anything like that? No. I, I think I'd be a terrible coach. I've no patience <laughs> and I'd probably kill everyone. So they'd have no time for me either. Um no, I don't think I'd, I'd go down the coaching route. Um, I think I'll just stick to spectating and just, yeah. Perfect. Watching. Well, <laughs> we'll be keeping an eye on you there and on the e-scooter situation too. So my thanks to Nikki for popping in today. Off the ball, daily.